you for joining us for the Help for Wounded Spirits broadcast. We exist to help those wounded and suffering through life's trials. Here is our host and best-selling author, Doug Carriger. Great to be back with you, folks. We certainly hope this finds you well and in the arms of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And uh, I'll tell you, uh, Brother Kevin's with us. And, and Brother Kevin, what's up with you? Man, heaven's up, and I'm glad I'm going there, brother. Oh, you yeah. and I. So Kevin came through yesterday and did sing a song, I Am So Glad. We're considering making that our theme song, but we're not sure. You know, <laughs> We might sing that once in a while, like every 16 weeks, whether we want to or not. Now, this is a tough riddle right here. Uh, brother, it says, what size was the lumber that was made to build the ark? Um, well, it, it's, um, I'll go for, uh, uh, it, hmm, it was, uh, let's see, pitched within and without. So The what size. The size. It would be long. It would be tall. High up. And, folks, it would be two by two. And I'm telling <laughs> you, they, these aren't meant to be great jokes. Or, they're, they're not meant to change our lives or anything. Like that. A fourth grader nailed that. Somewhere there was sitting a fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth grader, second grader, saying two by twos, you know, two animals, two of this, two of <laughs> yeah. that. Uh, but we just didn't get it. So yeah. this self-image, so we talked about, so far this week, we've used our PTSD phrases of the day, self-value, self-esteem, and today we're doing self-image. And so that's the idea. It's this personal view of this mental picture you have of yourself. So literally, you're imagining yourself that way. You're seeing like someone's taking, man, I don't look good. You see those people, they worry about their hair. They worry about this. I'm not talking just women either. Man, my brother just had a, a little piece of cancer removed from his face. And he sends me a picture. I could show him to Kevin right now. He, he sends me a picture every week. How's my face looking? And I'm like, dude, I went to church the other day and looked at every 65-year-old man, and you look better than every one of them. Suck it up. Get over it. Drive on. You know, I think one you got to have that. A couple scars do good for your face. I mean, let it go, man. Listen, we're old. Get over it. And uh, so this self-image. And uh, so God, I, I love this verse, by the way, in Genesis one twenty-seven. So God created man in his own image. The image of God created he him. Male and female created he of them. And uh, folks, can I tell you something? God made you the way that he wants you to look. So that image you have of yourself, that's the image God wanted you to have. So change self-image to God image. God made me this way. I used to be so sad that I was so tall. You know, I'd go to school and I was awkward and I didn't have very good balance. I couldn't play basketball. Uh, you know, I said, man, God, why'd you make me so tall? And, and then in high school, I started lifting weights and I became big. And I'm like, God, why'd you make me like this? Why can't I be like one of those other guys? And then about 10th grade, all the girls showed up and I said, thank you, God, you know, for making me a big tall and dragged out. So Kevin, over and over again, God reminds us this week as we look at self-value, self-esteem, now self-image, uh, that God created us in his own image, that it's God image. Yeah. Male and female created he them. So first of all, we, we need to really be careful that we don't compare our image of ourself to what the world is saying, particularly, you need to begin doubting 
what um, the schools are putting out nowadays as far as the, like the mainstream stuff, the National Education Association, the college professors, that kind of thing. If they're, if they're putting a legitimate doubt on what God has no doubt about, that is God in the beginning made them male and female, male and female, created he them, then we need to accept that first of all and say, well, I feel like I've got some masculinity and I'm actually a female or I feel like I've got some femininity of a male. And maybe there's even some kind of a glandular thing going on and there's various syndromes and whatnot that cause you know, you know, just too much hair on a, a woman, or not enough this muscles on a guy, and the higher voice and whatnot. And uh, let me just tell you something right off the bat. Years ago, if you're if you're into old time movies, the old time actors they would smoke c- cigarettes to get that deep voice. Yeah, let me just tell you something. Little and uh, Jack here. Yeah, we don't. So we don't need to compare ourselves with that. And then secondly, we don't need to, need to compare ourselves again like we were saying the other day with self uh worth and whatnot that that uh, Hollywood you know, and the way that they're Botoxing themselves and the way they're doing this and that that we uh that we have to look that way because after a while, I get it. You know, go ahead, dye your hair. Go ahead, um, you know, have the, have the wrinkles removed. Wh- whatever you want to do, you know, have the ha- have some stuff sucked out of, under the skin. You know, l- liposuction, whatever. Do do, but but honestly, we, there comes a point where we have to say the image I have of myself should not be overlapping with this discontent that the world says. That, that I'm supposed to have or, or planting doubts. And we should, you say, how do you do that? I've, I find that for myself. I say, Lord, make me satisfied with the way I am. So there's some unchangeables. For instance, aging is an unchangeable. So sooner or later, the actress that, that made too much of their Coke bottle figure is going to wake up one day and say, you know what? I can't help but look like a three liter. And there's no way I can change. Not even a one liter, a three liter. <laughs> you know, um, but s- sooner or later, you know, aging catches up to you. And for me, I mean, I had a birthday not too long ago, and it seems like every decade clicks by, and there's unchangeable changes that take place, and and it comes to the point for me, I've had to say, Lord, make me content with the fact I'm not going to look 40 anymore. Make me content with the fact that it's going to be harder to do this. Make me content, and that only God and His Spirit can comfort us over these unchangeables. Yeah, so folks, you, many of you know that I've been in a helicopter accident, smashing my face, breaking an eye socket. I have an eye socket it's operated on. Cuts on my face, cuts in my life. And I'll tell you, those first few times, I was like, man, God, why'd you do this to me? You know, why Why are my eyes sagging? Why are these things going on? But I'm here to tell you something. It doesn't matter. You know what? God's image of us is straight ahead, mm-hmm. right on. You're okay. Let it go. And uh, God wants you exactly the way you are. So when you look in the mirror this morning, I mean, don't get me wrong. If you're too fat, lose yourself some weight. If you're too skinny, put on some weight. If you, if you feel like you got to work out a little bit, work out a little bit. We're not judging any of that. We're just saying, at the best of you, 
you know, and at the worst of you, God made you in his image. And, uh, you know, now don't be stupid about it. Eat 62 ding-dongs every day or something like that. <laughs> I mean, look out for yourself, but just know that you've been made in God's image. The drunk on the street, the rich in their palaces, the poor and unlearned mm. brother, the man, men of degree. Anyway, they all have a soul. That's what counts. Every one of them has a soul. And here we are. We're in John chapter 8, verse 12. We've been continuing on with the life of Christ. And we're looking at it for a very practical reason. We want to know what Christ can still do in our lives, what he's done. We need to know everything about Christ. Uh, you know, for Christ and his church is why I do what I do. I, mm-hmm. I, I want to stand up and be accounted for. I want to be, you know, those disciples back there in 441 in the book of Mark. And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, what men are men is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him. They're saying, who is this God? They didn't know the scripture. They didn't know uh, exactly what he looked like. Hey, folks, we've got the entire word of God. Most of us right in our hands right now and uh, get to know Christ. And so here we are, John chapter eight, verse number 12, then spake Jesus unto them saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. The Pharisees therefore said unto him, Thou bearest record of thyself, and thy record is not true. Jesus answered and saith unto them, Thou, I bear record of myself, yet my record is true. For I know whence I came and whither I go, but ye cannot tell whence I come and whither I go. Ye judge after the flesh, I judge no man. And yet if I judge, my judgment is true. For I am not alone, for I and the Father who sent me. Jesus is, hey, I'm the light of the world. I've come to this dark world. Everything's masked. I've come here to deliver you from spiritual darkness. I could judge every one of you because I'm sin free. Mm-hmm. I'm the light of the world. None of you are, especially some of you Pharisee freaks out there. Uh, you're, there's no light coming out of you. It's about me. But you know what I'm doing? I'm standing here without judgment, trying to help you, forgiving your sins, forgiving these things. So folks, a couple things come to my mind. Number one, lessons learned here as we go forward practically. Jesus is the light of the world, nothing else. It's not you. It's not what you do for Jesus. It's not what you do for church. It's not your ministry. It's not the book you wrote. It's not the song you sing. It's not how pretty you look when you look in the mirror, how ugly you look, how handsome you look, whatever the case may be. Jesus is the light of the world. He doesn't need us. We don't have to work for him. He doesn't need us. And uh, this validates Christ's testimony. The Pharisees want to continue to to challenge Christ. They want to continue to push him. They want to continue to uh, to put him on the spot. Folks, they're getting ready to kill this guy. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to throw uh, a caution out there. There's going to, I'm going to, we're going to be sharing with you some stuff that's going to come bad here in a little while. They're going to crucify Christ. Just the Jews didn't do it. I did it too. He was on that cross for me too. Hey folks, hang in there. We'll be right back with you. Doug will return shortly. Meanwhile, you're hearing this music while radio stations are identifying themselves and broadcasting advertisements. Folks, I'll tell you, it's, it's, it's not us, but him. He offers salvation. He offers truth. He offers deliverance from the darkness of the sin of this world. It's Christ. It's all about Christ, Kevin. He said, look, this is what I bring to the table. Yeah, I am. All of these I am's, 
in the book of John. And uh, we know that I am comes from um, back there in the book of uh, Exodus. Tell Pharaoh, tell the elders, I am has sent you. And here comes Jesus. You know, the book of John is Christ, the Son of God. It speaks of his deity and all these other gospels speak to other things. But um, so when he says, I am, he's just showing his, you know, some aspect of his godhood and his godhead. Um, in, in, so in, in John um, 7, is Christ the, the giver of the Holy Spirit. And um, Christ, in, in here is Christ the light of the world. But um, when he said, I am the light of the world, you know, there's, that's just a basic, a basic need. One of the hardest things, you know, I went to the pharmacy today and um, they gave me a little bit of acid reflux medicine for, for this, you know, the stuff I've been feeling lately. And um, the guy in the pharmacy there at that free clinic, I mean, it's, he was in a cubbyhole. The walls were lined with medication, but it was just, he was in a closet. And that's the pharmacist. So it had a half door. You know, he'd swing the door open beginning of his day from the top up to the ceiling. And then he, he met people there and the pharmacist. You know, I said, man, how's life in the cubbyhole today? He said, life in the cubbyhole is cubbyhole life. I said, that's, I said, that's sad. But I just thought to myself, the only light he had was fluorescent light, and that's better than nothing. But, boy, it's sad. If you were in total darkness, that would be a sad, sad event. And Jesus describes people as being lost without light. And he said, I am the light. There's nothing better than when the light turns on. I remember I preached in a church, we were planting our first church, and a little church in early Pennsylvania uh, said, hey, we got a community church here, and they want you to come over and preach a revival. Is this this little old-fashioned community church? It's like a Bible church, I guess. So I went and preached a revival there. Brother, the first night, everyone just looked like a Catholic at the New Gate, looking yeah. at the New Gate. The second night, the altar flooded with the entire church, half of them said, I need to be saved. Amen. It was like the light was on, and it, it broke out that week. It was an amazing, amazing week. And uh, the head the deacon or someone like that was one of the most glorious salvations and um, received a real nice letter from uh, his daughter, said, yeah, my dad had passed. But uh, anyway, that was just, it was one of those things where the light comes on and an entire group of people is just going crazy with with joy over the light. And, um, you know, Doug, our ministry of PTSD, how often we do we go to churches and we address, you know, we throw some slides up, we address PTSD, what it is, what's the Bible say, what's the biblical approach? And a great church, just because of the focus, the, the laser focus of the light on this topic, the light comes on in that church. Man, I, I, I remember I went out there to Salt Lake City. I spoke on this the first night. Man, I, I, I'm standing there meeting people at the aisle that want to talk about something they're going through. 21 people just stood there lined Amen. Up. And why? The light was on in an area in which they personally felt dark. And, Doug, what, a, what an honor and what a privilege we have to be able to address that. Yeah, I, I mean, there is a, there's a high level of, uh, really, by both Kevin and I, of gratitude 
that God would let us be part of this and, and, and all of you that God would let us do this, but we got this spiritual blindness going on over here in the book of John. And, mm. and, it, and it's not the only place in the Bible we spe- see spiritual blindness. So in my mind, I, I was listening through the Bible and reading through the Bible through John uh, several months ago. And, and I remember when it came to this point, my mind absolutely went to a place of it's hard to believe that there's so much spiritual blindness among these folks in the Bible that stood right next to God. Well, I'm here to tell you, I drive down the street in these streets, these stores, these, everything we do are aligned with people with spiritual blindness. And, and, uh, you know, the problem is it's a spiritual discernment issue. Once you find that the biggest mistake we make, and I know I've said this a couple of days and we've talked about this and we've covered it extensively, but religion can mess you up. Those Pharisees were so sold out on what they had to offer for God, what they could do for God, how they could follow every law, how they could build the biggest temple, how they could have the best people from the town in their temples. You know, they were respecter of peoples. They can't take that Christ wasn't a respecter of people, uh, that he was God Almighty, and he loved everybody. Mm. They, they couldn't take that he didn't want to get the richest man in town, that he didn't, uh, you know, that, that Christ would take the richest guy or the poorest guy and save them equally and train them equally and share with them equally. We have a need for spiritual discernment, and you're going to find that spiritual discernment in God's Word. We have mm. a need... Uh, for for a a kindred heart with what Christ has for us. Folks, you know, build the heart of Christ in your life. Pray about it. Look at what Christ is doing. We're looking at the life of Christ so we can be more Christ-like. Actually, that the word Christian, Kevin, means Christ-like, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the hardest thing about being a Christian is living up to the name. But uh, so many people take it as a badge of honor, and it's really a badge because Jesus himself uh, lived a life of uh, being shunned and shamed and so forth. So we can expect it uh, to, if we're really living it, to bring upon us reproach and shame. But, um, yeah, Jesus said, "I judge not. Uh, ye judge after the flesh, I judge no man. And yet if I judge, my judgment is true, for I am not alone, but I am the Father which sent me. Um, he was not one that came to earth to uh, point out, and you said this earlier, that to, to point out how uh, how much more righteous he was than other people. So why in the world would we as Christians, Christ-like ones, feel that we've got a job to go show that we're better than someone else? It This big me, little you attitude mm. among Christians where we, you know, first of all, we want to level the playing field. No, you don't. You want others to be lower than you. You want every, the playing field at your feet level. But guess what? You're not the, on the throne. So we need to get down with everyone else and say, the Lord Jesus Christ has made a way for me, for what, for them to become just as righteous in the eyes of God as his son is. And, um, and none of us are any better than the other. There it is, folks. None of us are any better. And uh, you know what comes to my mind, too, as I look at this is there's something real significant about Christ saying, I know where I came from, and I know where I'm going. And he doesn't mean today. He doesn't mean that day. He doesn't mean that month, that year. Uh, yeah. Christ was there in the beginning. 
And he, he says, I know my origins. I, I know where I'm, I'm not running around preaching this law thing that, man, I'm all right. I'm all this. No, I know where I yeah. came from, folks. Confidence. And, and folks, and exactly that exact word that Kevin just said fits perfect here. Uh, it's, it's instead of being uh, self image problems, self esteem problems, self value problems, be self confident and, uh, or be God confident again, cross out that word and say, I know where my savior came from and yeah. I know where. <laughs> I'm going. I know where the other end. That freaks people out when you you become a Jesus freak. I I think if you've went through an entire lifetime and haven't been called a Jesus freak or a Christian or a, a religious fanatic, I don't think you're doing it right. I'm just being honest with yeah. you folks. I think you got to regroup and think about that and say, hey, am I doing this right? You know, uh, because let me tell you, we've got a God in heaven that loves you so much. I am so glad uh, that Jesus loves all sinners. Better yet, Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Let me tell you, mm. walk around today like Jesus loves you because the Bible tells you so. It's God's word. It's preserved. It's in your hand. Open that bad boy up. Read it once in a while. If you, if you don't have a stomach for reading, turn off the radio. Stop listening to the freaks on the radio. Go on the you version. Pick your Bible version. Pick what you want read and have it read to you. Just put the Word of God into you. What you plug into is what you're going to get your power from. We sure do love you, folks. We can't wait to come back tomorrow. Come on back. We're going to be looking at self-handicapping tomorrow as we continue through the different self things of PTSD. May God bless you. Thank you for listening to our broadcast. At Help for Wounded Spirits, we believe the Bible and place great importance on you having a personal relationship with your Lord and Savior. The Bible delivers a clear and simple message of salvation, outlining how you can begin your personal relationship now. First, recognize that you are a sinner, as all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Second, Understand that there is a cost to our sin, as the wages of sin is death. Third, realize that Jesus alone paid that price. To receive salvation, simply ask the Lord to save you in Jesus' name while believing in your heart that He alone can save you, and He will. If we can help you with your salvation or to direct you to a local church, please do not hesitate to contact us. For additional helpful resources, including our new TV series, more information, or to donate and support this crucial ministry, please visit us at WoundedSpirits.com. May God bless you.